Did you know that 97% of women don't get enough vitamin D from their diet? Yes, facts. That's where today's partner, Ritual, comes in. Spring in Chicago can be cold and cloudy, and I haven't seen the sun for a few weeks. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. It's a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking your multis actually enjoyable. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Visit ritual.com slash sober mom for 25% off. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I love to work out and do yoga. With that, though, come sore muscles and some aches and pains. That's why I'm excited to partner with Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA, is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, and it's also great for sleep and anxiety. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. Tanasi is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Welcome back to another episode of The Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like The Real Housewives, but without all the crazy, insane drama that alcohol causes. You guys asked, I listened, you love these stories so much. These are real moms who are right in the middle of their journey. Some are still sober curious, some are sober, some have some time under their belt, and they share it all with us. For a lot of them, this is the first time that they're talking about their journey, and they do it so beautifully and and openly and honestly, and they are vulnerable, and they are showing up to share their story in hopes that it will reach another mom out there. And so if you want to be on the podcast and share your story, come over on Patreon, The Sober Mom Life on Patreon. I will link it in the show notes and sign up. We would love to hear your story. Okay, enjoy the episode and happy Friday. 
Joelle. I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Okay, so let's talk about, before we talk about sobriety, let's talk about alcohol. (laughs) Mm. So that is kind of a loaded question. My dad had a really troubled relationship with alcohol when I was growing up. Okay. So I grew up with him drinking a lot. He was never like physically abusive, but he was verbally abusive, mostly to my mom. And a lot of that happened when he'd been drinking. He was a bricklayer, so he worked hard. He had long days. I mean, I know it was hard work, but he would come home and, you know, have a few drinks. And then whatever was irritating him, whether it was at home or at work, kind of came out on on our family. So, And you would see him, like you would witness him talk like that to your mom. Yeah. That's so hard as a kid. Yeah. And I, I mean, I couldn't do anything to help, but I was old enough when it was happening that I would like sit there and I mean, I couldn't fall asleep because I was just listening to this happen. But you, I mean, you don't know what to do to help your parents, you know, figure their stuff out. Totally. You just know that it's scary. Yeah. You don't even know what you don't know. You just know like, oh shit, this doesn't sound good and I'm scared. Yeah. And then eventually I was like 12 um, and my mom had bought a house unbeknownst to any of us um, with some help from her dad. So I was woken up on like a Saturday morning to move out and they're like, you know, pack up your stuff. We're, we're leaving. Whoa. Yeah. Like that's scary too. Yeah. I was like, uh, I mean, it didn't like surprise me, like thinking back on it, like, you know, like obviously it was like a jarring experience, but it was also one of those things that like didn't really surprise me. I was kind of hoping that we could get out of this situation somehow. Like, not that that's what I wanted, but yeah, you know, like kind of a relief that like my mom had figured out a way to get herself and, and us out of, out of that situation. Okay. So you felt like you were probably going from an unsafe situation to a safer one. So you felt that even then. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good. And it was me and my younger brother. My brother's six years younger than me. So he was like five ish at the time. And so he doesn't really have any like real positive memories of my dad, which is unfortunate because he was too young to really know the fun dad and, and all of that. And so you had that too. You had, you had the fun dad and then you had the dad when he drank too much and you knew that those could be two very different dads. Yep. Okay. And the same person. Right. Yeah. That's terrifying as a kid, not, not knowing what to expect too. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of times like kids put it on them, like, well, maybe if I'm just good enough, dad will be the fun dad. Yeah. I'm a people pleaser for sure. Yeah. And a helper and uh, a strong Enneagram too. Okay. I still have not done my Enneagram. (laughs) You need to do the Enneagram. (laughs) Every time I come on here and like someone's like, I'm an, I'm an eight. And they look at me like knowingly. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a fraud. This is when my imposter (laughs) syndrome totally goes to the roof. Cause I'm, and then of course, as soon as I step away, I forget. I need to write it down that I need to do it. Okay. What is a two? What does that mean? So two is called the helper. Okay. And you can also have like wings. So it's like you can either be a one or a three on either side. Okay. And so I'm a two wing three and the three is like the performer. So that's like where like being a chameleon and a a people pleaser comes in. So it's like I can be whoever I need to be to help whoever needs help. Okay. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. It's a lot. And then you bring like motherhood into that too. Totally. Like, <laughs> to I mean, I think it. we're naturally helpers. Yeah. But it could take over really quickly. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. So you moved out. Yep. How was that? It was good. I was always like, we lived out in the country. It was only like four miles out of town and we weren't on a farm or anything. Like I would not consider myself a country girl at all. Yeah. We moved into town. So that was like more my speed and I could hang out with my friends more easily because there were a lot of kids. Like it was kind of a rural community. Mm -hmm. So there were people that like rode the bus into school and stuff like that. But where is this? What state is it? I'm in Nebraska. So I grew up north of Omaha. There's a lot of like farming communities and small towns around there. So yeah, but a lot of it was like, I don't really like being in the country. And I also don't really want to be in my own house. So like, I want to go hang out with my friends in their homes that feel safer to me, which is, you know, something kind of deep to think about that. Yeah. You know, I didn't really think about when I was doing it, but like thinking back, I'm like, that's probably part of the reason I didn't really want to be at home. Totally. So we did that. And then I honestly kind of avoided alcohol in like middle school, high school and early into college because of my experience with my dad, because we kind of had it on both sides of the family. But my dad was obviously my closest experience. So I was like, I don't want to get into that because this is terrifying. And so you were able to really tie it to alcohol. Like even then, even when you were little, you were like, okay, alcohol, this is is the problem. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, I drank casually in college and then really didn't for a long time. You know, it was like when we went out with friends or a couple of drinks here and there at home with my boyfriend, who then became my fiance, who then became my husband. And then honestly, the pandemic was like the big thing. Really? Because I had a baby in January of 2020. So hard. Yes. Yeah. So I was two months postpartum when they said, everybody who was in your support network can no longer see you. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Uh, yes. Oh, is dad still alive? Dad passed away um, March of 2014. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Which was um, like, I didn't expect him to see me graduate high school because he was a smoker and a drinker and hard on himself working as a bricklayer. So that was like not surprising that he passed away, but also like it had been going for so long. I was like, he's just never going to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> like yeah, he was you just like, take it for granted then. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, then it happened and, and it's fine and it's gotten better. Like, you know, the first couple of years were obviously really rough, but yeah. it's, it's better now. And my mom is still around. She lives actually 20 minutes from me. So. Right. So then all of a sudden, like you were used to having her, you know, and then not. And then not. In early postpartum. Yes. I was not in a great mental space in March of 2020. Oh, my God. (laughs) Not that anybody was, but I really wasn't. No, but that's a different – that postpartum, I mean, that's literally your brain going haywire with hormones and all this stuff. Your brain is not your own in that postpartum period. Yeah. But, yeah, that – oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So what happened? So my son also had a witching hour, which I didn't know was like a thing because my oldest son did not have that. Really? Yeah. So I was like, why is my son freaking out? Like, why is he crying? Like nothing would console him, obviously, because he wasn't hungry. He wasn't tired. He just wanted to be held and scream. And I had to hold him. Like I could not give him to his dad. So for three weeks from five o'clock to six o'clock, I was like, so babe, you're going to be cooking dinner because I'm here holding this three-month-old. So we made it through that. But, you know, there was a lot of wine that was consumed. I think like it's so important to think about because that in a vacuum, you're 
like if someone's thinking about this or hearing this and maybe they don't have kids yet or their kids are old and they don't remember this time. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, okay, so you get to hold your baby for an hour. No, Mm -hmm. no, 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 no. It's not that. It is this little being who needs you all the time. You are on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You cannot go pee. You cannot breathe without first thinking about this little human and what they need first, right? And so it's this time when we're at the end of the day, that witching hour, we're at our like, I'm like spent by then after a whole day and night before of needing and meeting all those needs. And so you can't even get an hour to go cook dinner. It's not like you're, we want to get an hour to go to the spa. And so it's not just like this hour. It's like, oh, well, your baby needs, no, 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 no. It's yeah. like you, you can't even get a break. Yeah. It was a lot. And I was like, my baby's broken. Like what, what is, yeah. <laughs> what is wrong here? <laughs> I need to exchange. Yeah. Can I take this one back and return it please? No, yeah. but it was just so weird because I mean, obviously, you know, when you have kids, like everybody's like, they're so different, but like, this was really different. And then like in a whole other way, because all we had was the four of us. Oh, and especially if you're not used to that witching hour time, like if your first baby was not like that, a mom hearing your own baby cry is, it does something. Like I could hear another baby cry and just be like, oh, that's like mildly annoying, you know? And like, (laughs) but it's fine. You know, I'm like, can you just turn that down a little? Yeah. But like hear your own baby cry. It's like something maternal. It's something biological that happens that you feel like you're going to lose your shit. Yeah. And, and to be completely powerless and like literally nothing will help. Yes. So that was, I think, the the worst part, you know, like I don't have a bottle that will make you happy. I don't have a diaper change that will make you happy. I'm just going to hold you and you're going to scream at me. Oh, yeah. So so then you turn to wine. Yeah. Which, of course. A lot of wine because, you know, liquor stores were essential during the pandemic. Which, I mean, (laughs) that's that's like a whole whole chapter in the book because how fucking insane is that? Yeah. So... There was a lot of that. Um, It started out with like a bottle and then eventually I was like, oh, we can just go get a box because that's so much easier. And like then people can't really see how much I'm drinking. Right. So we did the box of wine and then you wake up the next morning feeling like complete crap. Yeah. But then you still have to parent and go back to work and do all the things. From home. Yeah. And that was a whole other thing because I, you know, was on maternity leave and I'm absolutely not a stay at home mom. And I was so excited to go back to my work and my team. And when they're like, oh, well, yeah, you can come back to work from a bedroom in your house. Like, cool. This is not what I wanted. Right. Like, tell me how that is supposed to work. Right. Like, I don't like, I don't like this. No, like your village is gone. And now all of a sudden I'm supposed to And working from home, you work from home, but you also home from work. So it's like there's no Mm -hmm. delineation. Separation. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's all like I'm doing laundry as I'm supposed to be on a meeting. Yeah, you can't separate it. Yeah. And I hadn't really planned it very well. So like my desk was in my bedroom, which then is a whole different thing because then you're like looking at it all the time. Even if I'm not working, like you're thinking about it because it's there. It's right there. Right. So how'd you do it? So, you know, I mean, it wasn't pretty. And I would say I'm pretty similar to a lot of people that I've heard talk on your podcast and other podcasts that there wasn't really like a rock bottom. Yeah. But 
I mean, eventually, um, I'm about nine months sober. Yay! July of 2022, I was just at this point, like we had gone on a family vacation where I drank entirely too much. And I know one of the things you talk about is sober vacation. And I was like, I really don't want to do that again. Like it, yeah. A, it costs a ton of money. Like we spent entirely too much money on booze. It costs so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. And, you know, I just wanted to be present with my children because these are the moments that go by so fast. Yes. Like the fact that I have a three-year-old that was born in January 2020 is like mind blowing. Like I blinked and here it is. Especially <laughs> that like time warp. It's like we lost two years really. And just to make you feel a little bit better. I mean, I was sober during that time and I still feel yeah. like I lost that, you know, like yeah. it was that. Yeah. I, th- I think we still have to reckon with, with all that was lost during that time. Yeah. So, I mean, we did, I did July 4th and I didn't drink a ton, Yeah. but you know, I woke up the next morning and I was like, yeah, I don't really feel great. And I had been kind of getting into like listening to podcasts and doing some quitlet and I was like, let's just give this a try. And so, you know, I gave it 30 days um, and then I joined Sober Sis and did like her 21 day reset and found a really awesome group of women that way that I still keep in touch with nine months later. I mean, honestly, we've probably shared more on that group than I have with a lot of my friends and my family. Yeah. Like they know more stuff than my husband does just because sometimes a lot of it's about him that I don't really want to talk about. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like all about finding your village and just like, you never know who's sober until you start talking about it. And honestly, most of the time it surprises you. It's so true. And and once you start talking about it too, and then people like come to you and are like, hey, tell me more about this because I've also been questioning or like have been wondering about sobriety. And that's why I think this whole idea of a normal drinker is just bullshit. That like a normal drinker just what just has one or two and never thinks about it. It's like, that's not normal. That's not typical. No, it's not. And I was one of those people. I couldn't go out with my friends and just have a glass of wine. Like it was never one. Or if I had maybe two at the bar, I'd come home and continue drinking. And I was like, this needs to just be done. Like I'm done with this. So it's a lot easier for me to just decide not to do it. And then I don't have to think about it again. It's easier for everybody. It's the same thing as like sugar or cigarettes or like anything. Like it's way easier just to be like, yeah, that's just off the table. I can't yep. do that for sugar. I, I am fully yeah. addicted. <laughs> I know. I'm the same way. I've been filling my life with sugar instead of alcohol. <laughs> yes. And like lean into that. Anyone who calls me out, I'm like, dude, I've never heard anyone who like lost their family from too much sugar. And like if I could like have a DUI from too much sugar, I'd be in prison because I would have gotten pulled over all, <laughs> all the, the time. time. <laughs> and so like it's fine. Like it's – you got to – yeah. Yeah. Give yourself grace with something. So you gave yourself 30 days. So that's interesting because I like, don't worry about forever. I don't, you can't forever. No. It takes care of itself. And so you get, you're like, let me just try this for 30 days. Yep. And how'd you feel at the end of that 30 days? I feel like it was kind of a mixed bag. Like, you know, your body is like still getting used yeah. to like not having alcohol because honestly, even if you drink once a week, your body's still not completely worked through it. So I was sleeping better, not like exponentially, but better than I had been. And I didn't wake up in the morning hungover. So that's always fantastic. Yeah. 
I enjoyed it. And so I kept going and I actually found out in September that I was pregnant unexpectedly Mm. because my husband's vasectomy was scheduled in October. So we were very not trying. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. So yeah, we were like, oh God, this is scary. We'll figure it out. And then I had I found out in early October, about a week before he was supposed to have his vasectomy, that I had miscarried. Oh, I'm sorry. So that was a whole, you know, like whirlwind of a 40 days. So I had been sober for all of that. And I made it, I think, to the end of October without drinking through all of that, which honestly, to me, thinking back is pretty impressive. Yeah, very. (laughs) Um, Since I was so early in my sobriety. My birthday is in November, so I drank for my birthday to celebrate. And then that whole month was kind of a mixed bag of drinking and not drinking, kind of latent grief with the miscarriage. Of course. I know some people count and some people don't. And I've never been a continuous counter. You know this about me. I love your version. (laughs) You know I love it. So, yes. So I have an app and you can count every single day. It also counts your streaks. Okay. But it will tell you like for the year or since you started tracking how many days you've been sober. Yes. And so I think I'm at 257 today. Total since July 5th. So I feel really solid about that because as a people pleaser, I like to please myself and make myself feel good. So I like to not think about, you know, oh, I had this one slip up. I'm a failure. Let's move forward. And like, was I sober more days than I wasn't? Yes. So that's a win. Yes. I think that this is a perfect way for people who who feel like counting days is punitive and it's like, oh, I only have 30 or or if you do have a slip and it's like there is just in no world is if you go 40 days without drinking and then you drink on the 41st day in no world are you a failure or is that a failure? Absolutely. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just not. You chose yourself. You chose your mental health. You chose that for 40 out of 41 days. And I think that that's such a, it's such a healthier way to look at it. It's worked for me. And I mean, I'm excited. I think I have like a 110 day streak. So we're still going really solid so far. Yeah. It's just, it's been nice to, to have that to fall back on. Yeah. So November when you were grieving, you were grieving the loss I'm sure you learned way more than you would have had you just white knuckled it and, you know, try to tick off those days, right? I'm sure you learned so much more about your relationship with alcohol when you turned to it. Yeah. You know, it was just reinforcing, you know, those data points like this is not, this isn't working for me. I, my shit is still here the next morning when I feel like garbage and nothing has changed except for that I have a headache. So, (laughs) so, you know, we get into therapy and we talk about things and then, and then we feel better. So that's kind of where I went from there is, you know, I put down the bottle and, and took up the therapy and unpacked some of that. So that's been much better. That's good. And so how has therapy helped? It's been really good. I mean, we did some digging into, you know, my upbringing with my dad and the miscarriage and, you know, how I felt about that. Like, was I excited about it? You know, if it happened again, would I be excited about it and that sort of thing? We didn't get too much into sobriety yet, but 
you know, it's just been good to talk to someone. And I am someone who likes to talk to people. Like I verbalize before I can like really process things. So that's really helpful to have like an outside perspective to just get it off my chest and then address things that need to be addressed after that, you know, kind of have my toolkit ready to go and and go from there. So totally. It's like we don't even realize, you know, someone could be like, well, I'm not drinking, you know, to cope with not feeling my feelings, but you don't even realize how much alcohol is just making you not care. And so yeah. then when that goes away and you do care and you do feel and you are confronted with all of these things that you are like, holy shit, what is going on? That is when people are like, oh, wait, sobriety is hard in that way. And like, I didn't even know that I felt like this. And so, yeah, you do need someone to help you work through it because it's a lot. Yeah. And my husband still drinks. So, I mean, he's incredibly supportive, but he doesn't really get it because he's not doing it with me. Right. And that's fine. How is that for, does he drink a lot or what is, what's the relationship there? He drinks quite a bit. Okay. It's hard, but he also drinks beer and that wasn't usually my go-to. So it's still in the house. It doesn't really bother me, but I mean, he will get to the point where it's a little obnoxious and I'm trying to work on, like, I'm still trying to figure out like setting boundaries and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Because, you know, it's not enjoyable to have a conversation with someone when they don't even really know what's going on and they've told you the same story three times. Totally. Like, okay, I'm I'm going to go to bed because <laughs> we're just going around in a circle yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you say that you're still figuring out the boundary because I think that does – it takes a long time. It takes longer than we'd like probably. Yeah. It took longer yeah. than I'd like because I was – it's like you have to experience those things to see – what rubs you the wrong way. I know like my story is a little bit similar that I saw my dad drink a lot when I was little and that's scary. And then we can be triggered and go right back to that. And so like, and a lot of times that happens with the husband role reminds us of our dad, especially if we have kids. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, what do I need to feel okay and to feel safe? Yep. So those are conversations we have to have. And then it's a matter of, and he doesn't drink every day. It's usually over the weekend. But also if we want to have those conversations, I want the kids to be in bed. I would need him to be sober. Like there's a lot of things that have to be in place to have that conversation. So totally, but he's been totally supportive. He's like, you really, you know, I'm not going to do this with you. Right. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I just want you to like, not try and make me have a drink because I'm not going to. Right. So it's been good. He's easily triggered when it comes to the kids. Sometimes I think more when he's drinking, Yeah. which I totally understand because I was there too. Your patience is very limited when you're, you've been drinking and his is kind of limited anyway. <laughs> he's like, he's fighting with like two little mini versions of him. So it's kind of entertaining and also very annoying at the same time. Totally. I totally <laughs> I'm just, get that. I'm just on the outside over here laughing at you, but I also have to jump in when we when we're getting a little ridiculous. So so it's it's a balancing act, but we're we're doing okay and I would love for him to just give it a shot and see how he feels because he complains about not being able to sleep very well. You know, then he wakes up with a headache and he's grouchy and it's so I'm like hard not to be like, "Well, you know." <laughs> You know, like, hello. (laughs) Yeah. Let's give it a shot and see what happens. But maybe someday. So 
we'll just keep doing what we're doing. <laughs> I know. I mean, it sounds like you you have like a really like positive outlook on it too. Like you yeah. sound like you're in a good space that you're working on yourself. You're trying to figure out like where your boundaries are and yeah, you know what you need from him. You need him to support you even if he's not going to join you. I think it sounds great. Yeah. All pretty good so far. So we'll just keep trucking. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite thing about sobriety? I think it's just like having those little moments that you kind of forget about if you're drinking. Like I was actually at a bachelorette this par- party this weekend and there were a couple people there that weren't drinking, whether they were pregnant or sober or whatever. And nobody was getting crazy because we're in our mid thirties and we can't hang like we used to. Yeah, totally. But my mom had the boys overnight and, you know, just like really being present and not feeling like crap the next morning yes. when I go get them. Yes. And um, my youngest was like really excited to see me. He's like, mom. So then, you know, your heart melts and you can actually like log that memory in your brain and, and keep it there. Um, I actually did kind of feel hungover because I hadn't drank enough water oh, throughout yeah. the night and we went in the hot tub. So I was like, okay, this is not... <laughs> I don't like this feeling. I, know. I didn't even drink. I know. I get so triggered if I like for some reason, yeah, if I'm dehydrated or like if I have a cold, I get like so pissed off. I'm like, how yeah. dare you, body? And I'm like, oh, wait, you still need water, not just coffee. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I drink a lot of water. So like the fact that I was like going all day and didn't have one like at the ready, I was I was feeling it. But we're back on track. We've got our got our Stanley Cup this morning full of water. <laughs> I need to do that. I have Perrier, which is like so I need to get off the bubbles. <laughs> I need to get off the bubbles. I need like good old plain water. Just go water. Yeah. I know. Oh my God. Well, I love your story. I mean I love the no rock bottom stories. I like when it's just too much for us. And like, it's not too much for society. It's not like this movie. It's not something earth shattering. We haven't lost everything, but it's just like too much for us. And we decide that. I also, I just love how you've you look for community and sobriety and you found it and you're such a bright light in ours. You know, I adore you. <laughs> no, I look forward to the meeting so much. And I mean, I found your podcast like later than some of them, but yeah. it was the one that resonated the most. I think, Aww. you know, just because motherhood is such a beast yeah. and yes. just finding other people that there's, you know, there's always something in everybody's story that you can relate with. Yes. And so that was like, I was like, oh, well, I, I get that. And I absolutely understand this. And oh my God, I had a box of wine too. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And there's, there's nothing better than just feeling like you're heard and you're seen and you're not alone. I think that that's yeah. essential, especially in sobriety. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're a part of our community. I'm so glad I, now I know your story. I mean, yeah. And let's all just be gentle on ourselves with what we lost during that pandemic because we're still dealing with the fallout, all the stuff that we went through, like got to start going back and figuring out how we felt and knowing that it's okay to grieve, even if we didn't lose someone to COVID. We, we all lost things to COVID. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Suzanne. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.